Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brock Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I want to talk about, uh, try to cover at least three uh, issues, and then we'll go a little bit further. One is, what's up with this Pope? Okay. Oi. <laughs> Number two. Oi, Gavalt. Number two. Uh, I want to talk about these uh, French female protesters who um, interrupted a Muslim conference while they were topless to protest Muslim treatment of women. And the somewhat scant attention that that particular disruption uh, obtained in the media. I think it's fascinating, um, very, very interesting. Um, we'll see what, what uh, the media does with this later on. And then uh, I wanna talk about the refugee situation, the Syrian refugee situation. Uh, information is now coming to light that Apparently, some 72% of them are young males. Okay, so, which begs the question. We, we can Google that uh, at some point, but I, I, I'm getting a lot of information that shows that this is actually more of a male thing uh, crossing the border, and which, of course, begs the question, is this really more of a, an invasion as opposed to a, a, a disin, you know, an effort to just flee a war-torn country? So that's issue number three. Let's take them in the order that we just discussed. First, the Pope. Okay. The latest things that uh, we've learned about the Pope is that he wants uh, everyone to back the Iranian deal that Obama has just reached. And just to add some gravy to it, he wants Israel to abandon all of its nukes. Okay. So that's a little bit odd. This is on top of the climate change um, protocol that he wants to, uh, to, to advance, and his apparent disdain, his open disdain for capitalism, generally speaking. And then, of course, he said that the crisis in Syria was all, the it was all a result of uh, greed for money. Oh, yeah. He said capitalism is what led to the collapse of the Syrian government and the takeover by ISIS. As if, by the way, the collapse of the Syrian government in and of itself would be a bad thing. Well, oh, I, I agree, but but it begs the question: What, what is the? What, I mean, really, with respect to the Pope, because he, he's the leader of phenomenal a group of people known as Catholics, and I, you know, how much we admire Christians and Catholics, generally speaking. I just don't understand how. I, I want to ask him the Michael Moore question, or the question that was posed to Michael Moore. Okay, what, what alternative system would you have proposed, Your, your Holiness, if, if it's not capitalism? I yeah, get that. Yeah, I, get, I get that you unlike, hate capitalism. Unlike Michael Moore, he's given us the answer. He's okay. a hammer and sickle guy. Okay. Prager nailed it when um, he was visiting. He's Evo talking Morales. about Dennis Prager, by the way. Yeah, Go Dennis ahead. Prager. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Red Francis was visiting Evo Morales, I believe. Of um, Let, let's not let's not say Red Francis. I mean, we have to show respect to the to the Pope. So Pope Francis was Pope Francis was visiting the president of one of those South American countries, I believe, uh, like Uruguay or Paraguay, visiting a guy named Evo Morales, who gave him a 
kind of ceremonial crucifix yes. in which the, the, the icon of Jesus was being crucified on a hammer and sickle. And Prager made an incredibly just insightful point about it. He says, well, that's so accurate because communism did crucify Christians in Jesus. Uh, it is. It is. And then the question is whether or not the Pope actually accepted it or, or said, or said, uh, I don't think this is appropriate. I got two different stories. No, out of that. no. He accepted <clears throat> it. He took it home. He mounted it on, put it on his mantle. Yeah. He sadly, loved it. sadly, I'm not Hence surprised. Hence, red Francis. I, uh, let's 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 keep it to just okay. Pope Francis. Okay. Uh, it looks good if you defend the, you know, the. Well, I will the, defend because the audience against. No, because we we can't we can't speak like that. It's a, the the Pope is still the Pope, and I want to want to show the respect. I think he's misguided. Um, I think it does reflect the the uh, the culture that he was uh, raised in. That's for sure. But it is very unfortunate that uh, he adopts this the, these approaches against Israel, for the the bad guys in Iran, against capitalism, for clap, uh, cap, uh, global warming, and all the other things that you hear him say of late. And it's just, it's, it's disturbing. And if I were Catholic, I'd be disturbed as well. And I, I wouldn't want to go where, where he's going. He's also talking about abortion in a much more uh, tenuous way, meaning that, uh, well, maybe, you know, abortion, we shouldn't judge people who um, have abortions or otherwise or, or even consider it a choice so harshly because, you know, given their circumstances and such, maybe it's an okay thing to do. Um, and then, of course, the homosexuality issue and gay marriage. Um, now, he's still against gay marriage. That part, he still maintains uh, the traditional view. Um, so that might be an unforgivable thing altogether. <laughs> so who knows what, what that will lead to. Can I remind you of something? Because I think this is interesting. I don't mean to take you in the Wayback Machine, but the way you just spoke, the entire two-paragraph yeah. Of language he uh, It's a list of things that uh, he has you not done. You used to apply that kind of tone and, shall we say, restraint, in your opinion, to one B. Hussein Obama, president of the United States, when he used to say he's misguided. I, it, it, right? I mean, have we yes, done yes. this before? Yes, we have. Haven't we? Can, uh, so my, my point is, will the moment where... Pope, Pope Francis evolves on gay marriage the moment that you finally throw your hands up in the air and say, Ari, you're right again? I don't know. <laughs> this guy's a mess. I don't know. I just, uh, it's just very frustrating to me. And I, I feel for you Catholics out there who are conservative especially and, and hear this, you're, you're, you're Pope. I mean, I, I know that you revere him. Um, I just don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's so frustrating because... To me, the Catholic Church was such a great beacon of core values, not just conservative values, but the, the, the notion of core values and its appreciation for freedom and liberty. I mean, Pope, Pope John Paul was such, such a great example of what I'm talking about, how he fought against communism. And, and, I, and I just liked that. It made me admire the Catholic Church so much. And it was a, a guiding light in, in, a, in a world of darkness and you had, of course, Thatcher and Reagan at the same time. And uh, it was just, it was a wonderful time in that sense. But only because each of those fantastic individuals um, stuck to the core values of freedom and God, and they understood that. And, and good versus evil. And good that's, versus evil. Uh, that's well, the chorus of the core. Th that's right. And, and it's incredibly uh, relevant as a discussion point in this, considering that with political leaders, Fine, they're not exactly there all the time to confront good versus evil issues. They're not right. moral leaders. They are pragmatic leaders. But when it comes to moral leaders, you would think morality would be the core of moral leadership. I know, I know. And, and, and I ask my Catholic listeners, or anybody who wants to chime in about it, but really mostly my Catholic listeners, if you are Catholic, please write to us and explain uh, what your thoughts are about all this. Is Does this give you great discomfort? Does it give you, uh, do you think it's no big deal? He's just a man and he's entitled to his opinions. Uh, or do you think that this kind of shakes your faith in Catholicism? I'm not encouraging any one of those, by the way. I'm just curious because in a sense, it shakes my faith in terms of Catholicism. Generally speaking, I, I, you know, maybe naively thought that 
all Catholic popes would would maintain this this guiding principle, and I liked the whole cardinal process of choosing a pope, and I always thought that it would lead to you know a, a well reasoned pope that understood morality and, and maintained morality, but you can't say this about this pope um, when he's all about global warming and so much less about fighting true evil and and uh, and bringing down communism and socialism. Instead, he, he seems to embrace at least socialism and uh, being anti-Israel. No, well, you know what, in fairness, he didn't say that he was anti-Israel. I have to be fair to him. I really, I, you know that I'd like to be very precise. He's encouraging Israel to drop all of, all of its nukes. But at the same time, he's also made comments to, about Israel uh, that it needs to be more compassionate toward its enemies, right? Okay, can I bring some moral clarity to this? Yeah, show? please because do, because it'll make it a lot easier for me, because I'm, yeah. I'm actually a little bit depressed about this. Right, and, and remember, if we argue, that's good for ratings, so please, <laughs> bring it on. You cannot conclude that this Pope's actions today, as reported, with this Israel and Nuke story, that he's anything but anti-Semitic and anti-Israel, and I can prove it. Pro- go, prove away. This go is ahead. the proof. Iran is on a quest, either has or is on a quest to acquire nuclear weapons, and they have threatened to use them. Israel either has or has created the impression they have nuclear weapons, but they have at no time ever said they intend to use them as offensive weapons and have stated repeatedly their only possession of them, if they do have them, is as a deterrent to prevent Jews from being murdered. From a simple point of view of looking at both parties before the judge, counselor, there is no way to conclude that if one came out against Israel's possession of these weapons, in light of the same overlap in time that Iran threatening the very state of Israel with the weapons they want to have, yes, yes, you I, have to I, conclude no. he's anti Israel, on the one hand, and even further, anti-Semitic, because if Iran possessed the weapons and Israel didn't, the only result would be a second Holocaust. That's yeah. the only okay. place that ends. I got it. I got it, Ari. But, but I, look, here, to, to add to your point, and I'm, I'm reluctantly going to, going to have to add to your point, as you know, we sometimes can glean information from what people say, but you can also glean information by what they choose not to say or not to discuss or talk about. And nowhere did I, do I hear anything from the Pope telling, that the, uh, telling the Iranian mullahs that they should dial down the rhetoric against Israel. Right? You would think, you know, with the, we, we plan to destroy Israel. We, we want to see every last Jew uh, left, uh, you know, burned alive or whatever. You, you, you would think that the Pope would, would at least chime in about that and say, you know, guys, too far. <laughs> that ain't right. But you don't hear anything like that, and it's it's disturbing. Well, again, we'll have to wait and see. To answer your question, and because I want to move on to the other topics, to answer your question, um, Ari, about the, um, uh, you know, isn't this the same thing as what we concluded about uh, Obama? Uh, you know, not necessarily. Uh, people can, they could, there could be a whole bus, bunch of things that are uh, very unfortunate with regard to one particular leader or even a person. Um, and... And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are engaged in a conspiracy to destroy or to or has a, has a mindset that is that's conspiratorial at all. We'll see. I, I do say that I'm very concerned about this pope. It seems like every month, if not more, more frequently, he says something that just makes you wince. And I just, uh, I just, I, I love Christianity so much. Uh, I, I'm such a big fan, and the Catholic Church, you know, they has taught such great new, you know, good values. They've created the university. They, you know, but for Christianity, but for Catholicism and Christianity, generally speaking, we wouldn't have so many of the goodies that we now enjoy in life. And this is such a step backward for Catholicism, for Christianity at large. Anyway, that's where I stand. Yeah, can I make one quick other point about this? Because I think this yeah. is relevant. When let's, you let's... look at leaders like Obama or the, this pope, or leaders of culture, or entertainment, or industry. And yeah. I'll give some examples. Comedian Sarah Silverman coming out today saying that comedians must be more 
uh, oriented towards political correctness. Yes, I saw that. Mark Zuckerberg is using Facebook to create a board to enforce political correct speech within the country of Germany, even though it's an American company. Pope Francis's actions we've talked about, Obama's we've talked about ad nauseum, and the entire Democrat Party. I'm just waiting to see where are the leaders who talk about freedom first? Yeah. Freedom. It may be it may be Donald Trump will be the one to talk about that. Well that's the guy and yeah. that explains his his rise. Yeah. And this isn't about Trump, but I'm just saying there are these leaders all over the gamut of moral, political Societal leadership, yep. and so yep. few of them talk about freedom and the fight of good versus evil. And it seems like Pope Francis is just another one of that string. And and I and I wonder, do they think that talking about freedom is somehow antiquated and just quaint at best, uh, or that that it's like that that they will be be perceived to be talking about freedom as some sort of a dog whistle uh, for racism or inequality, right? Perhaps that's, that's what they're thinking. But freedom, uh, you know, who doesn't like freedom? I mean, how can you how can you twist the word freedom or liberty? You know, all we can ever push for is freedom and liberty. That's the ultimate um, uh, hu- humanity that that we're trying to advance here. To advance, I I just don't get it with this pope, and I'm I'm frustrated, and you know, I I don't know if there's going to be a revolt at some point. Is there? Can there be such a thing? By the way, this is more of a question to my Catholic listeners. Um, you know, what if, what if, in fact, um, I mean, he's not gone there, of course, but what if any pope, not just this pope, but any pope said such crazy things that was so antithetical to Catholicism, to the very notions? Is there an impeachment process? And uh, let me know what you think about that. All right, let's move on, because I want to talk about this very interesting story that came out of uh, Paris. As you know, um, the... Um, French countryside, and for that matter, all of France, especially Paris, has a tremendous number of Muslim immigrants, uh, some of whom are uh, threatening the way of life of France altogether, who are insisting on Sharia law. They create um, uh, certain uh, areas uh, outside of Paris in particular that are now considered no-go zones, meaning that the police are too afraid to even go there. And there is more and more talk of how women should be treated, and they're demanding that even the native French people somehow dress more, uh, how should we say, um, modestly. Burkhead. Yeah, more burkhead. Uh, let's, let's, let's say that they should not be dressing in yoga pants, <laughs> is what they were, would be encouraging. Or Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirts. Yeah, or, or anything that, that shows any skin of any kind. Okay. So it's, it's kind of this bizarre double culture that's, that's now working together. And there's, there was a symposium this past Saturday. It was a Muslim conference in Paris somewhere where they were talking about the role of women in particular and how uh, a man should treat his wife. Um, some people characterize it as a question as to whether or not it would be appropriate to beat one's wife. Um, and some people simply said, no, it's that every man should follow in the ways of the Prophet Muhammad in terms of treating his wife, which should be treated, should, which may be interpreted to mean you should beat your wife, <laughs> okay? Um, anyway, so uh, these are radicals, of course, we're talking about. We're not talking about Islamists and uh, people who follow the faith, generally speaking. But unfortunately, there are so many radical Islamists in Paris. And I saw this video and what happened was that they, they were holding this conference, and two women from a group called Femen, I think it is, yeah, They're Femen. the Femen Protest. The Femen Protest, F-E-M-E-N, I'm sure it's an acronym for something. And they were basically protesting. It means fe- radical feminists of Europe. That's basically what it is. So, so they, they came in, and they, they were topless, okay? And uh, scrawled on their bodies in some sort of charcoal or whatever, they wrote messages such as, um, I am... Um, uh, you know, nobody's the prophet of me. Um, you know, prophet, he's not my prophet or something like this. And you can't uh, control me. Uh, words like this. It was a, a, a clear protest against radical Islam. And they took over the microphone topless, mind you, with very tight jeans. And, you know, chanted their slogans, both in French and Arabic, as it turned out. And, of course, you know, they had their, their messages scrawled on their bodies at the same time. This lasted for about 15 seconds, maybe 30, I guess, and they were eventually hauled away. 
and, and very roughly. And I saw this video. And the second one, you actually could see being thrown to the ground and kicked repeatedly. And I don't know what happened after that. I, I don't know what happened to the first one. But it's fairly terrifying. So there's a lot of meaning to all this. First of all, let's discuss the issue of how conflicted I, I am to talk about this. Because on the one hand, as you know, I'm concerned about the yoga pants culture that we have. And for that matter, what's happening in New York City with topless women um, just going around there posing uh, topless for the sake of getting a buck or two when people, when tourists want to take a picture. And I said, that, but, that's, but that's one thing. It's one thing to just kind of show your breasts for the sake of showing your breasts and, and literally titillating just for the sake of getting some sort of arousal and isn't this fun. But, and we talked about yoga pants culture for the purpose, you know, how women are wearing these yoga pants and they're just showing every crevice of the body and it's just, it, it's not a good thing. It's, it's bad for the culture. Um, you, you know, you may enjoy it as a man, but you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, like to know that your daughter is doing it. Okay, that's just not what you want your daughters to do. And if that's the case, then maybe you shouldn't want it for the culture at large. All right. Um, but these women did that, right? They, they were topless and fairly skinny, you know, the tight-fitting jeans and such. Um, and so I, I feel conflicted, right? On the one hand, we just talked about, you know, you should, one shouldn't do that, uh, topless and so on like that. On the other hand, they're voicing uh, very adamantly and very courageously, I might add, their concerns and their, um, their protests against the way the radical Islam treats women in their society. And I, I respect that. I admire that greatly. And in fact, it was very dangerous what they had done because there were virtually no women there anyway. And so they'd be the only one that could have easily been raped repeatedly. They could have been beaten up senselessly. senselessly. You could have been killed. The security guards who were protecting this conference were not on their side. That's right. They weren't there to escort them out unscathed. Right. They could have been killed by accident, for example, just because they had been beaten up so much. Uh, you know, God knows. Um, so I, I admire that. So, but you can see the conflict. So where do I stand on this at the end of the day? I mean, one could, one could argue, look, you could have just come in there with a, you know, a, a full-size T-shirt and, and scrawled with language over your shirt saying, you know, uh, you, you, your profit is no profit of mine or whatever it might be that you want to say and still, you know, rabble-rouse and not wear the, the hijab uh, as well. And, but you could say this is going over the top by, go, being, by being actually topless. And I think the answer is no. I don't think it was over the top. I, I like the fact that they took this courageous stand. I think they wanted us to say, look, we are women. We are real. We exist. And you cannot control me. And yes, there was an aspect of it wanted to make sure that, that they got the attention. But they wanted to throw it in their face and say, look, in the same way you're trying to assault us with your culture, this is our culture, and we get to be who we are, and you don't get to dictate terms. And I like that. I think that's exactly what they were saying. I don't think they, they, they meant it in any other way. I don't think they were, they were trying, unlike the, the topless uh, people that I was telling you about in New York City, I don't think they were trying to sexually arouse these men by any stretch of the imagination. That's hardly what they would want. I, I instead think they were saying, we are women, we are real and you, you have to deal with us, and don't you dare try to tell us how we should behave in our own friggin' country. Well, Counselor, let me ask you a question. When the great sculptors sculpt the female body, do they sculpt it with a shirt on? That's a good point. Nope. No. It's about because beauty. Because the yeah. female form is ideal and gorgeous, and it's delicate. And the very point that these women were making was about the brutality of how the savage, primitive, backwards culture treats the beautiful, ideal female form. Yeah. And the same way the sculptures of those ancient parts of the world are being trashed by ISIS, the same brutality was unleashed upon them for all to see. And a further point is this. The protesters do not pick the method of protest. The oppressors do. So when the Jews fought back against the Nazis in the Warsaw Ghetto, they had to do it militarily because they were being oppressed militarily. Yes, you when made the Rosa point. Parks yeah. 
did yeah. what she did. She had to do it because of the nature of the society. When Pam Geller did the Draw Muhammad contest, she had to do it because the threat was against drawing Muhammad. That's right. You have to fight against exactly what they're banning. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's happening, and they, this is much more akin to the Pam, Pamela Geller thing. It's, it's also contemporaneous, practically speaking. Um, and you're, you're assaulting, you're responding to what they're trying to suppress you with. And I, I admire that. And they showed for the world the brutality of how these people have no uh, uh, appreciation at all for the delicacy and the beauty and the elegance of the female form. That's right. And it was needed that these women had beautiful bodies, which they did, and it was needed that they were topless or as, as naked as possible to show that they were not being cherished or treated as a gentleman treats a woman, but treated brutally and primitively as a thug would treat a woman. Right, right. Well, i, I got to tell you, this, this video... And was... you're wrong on yoga pants. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, it was very disturbing to see this video and to see the woman uh, kicked in particular... I, it, that really it causes me to wince in a, in a very serious way, and I just wish I could jump up into that video and just beat the crap out of that guy who tried to kick her, who did kick her. Just like, you know, guys, never hit a woman. Just as plain as day. Okay? Just don't. You can protect yourself by holding up your, your arms to your face, I guess. If she's hitting you, okay, best thing is just get the hell out of the way. Just go. And, but just never lay a hand on a woman whether that's a slap or a punch or anything else, done. Okay, that's, that's it. And these, you know, bastards kicking a lady uh, who's truly defenseless, instead of just saying, you know, escorting them out and just, you know, go, you know, we don't want you, you know, you're, you're violating our culture, whatever it is, our sensibilities, even that I don't like so much, but nevertheless, they could, they could just kind of force them out that way. But instead, they actually shove them down to the ground and kick them. It revealed and, their and, culture was completely worthless for that behavior. Yeah. And you could see well, that I, they relished it. I, I, they did seem to relish it. I have to say that that is correct. I, 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 I don't think that's the, this is a um, condemnation of all Islam. You know, I, I would not say that at all. But these bastards, this is their interpretation of Islam. And unfortunately, there's too many who think just like they, like they do. And um, I, I despise uh, the way they think there's nothing there's nothing sacred about the way they they believe what what they believe or how they how they execute their belief. Yeah, and I think we make a mistake even bringing Islam up. This isn't about Islam. It is in that it was an Islamic conference and that Islam uh, ruled countries treat women this way. But this is a gentleman versus thug issue. Yeah. No matter what religion those guys participated, no matter what society they're from, the way they treated women was revealed that they are primitive thugs. Well, here's, here's the problem that we have, is that so much of the issues, so many of the issues that we have with radical Islam stems from the way they treat women, right? Think about it. All of it, basically. Well, so much. Uh, one of them is... Uh, how you know a woman should not, uh, you know, come out of the the obvious ones, right? A woman should not be allowed to get out out of a house without a uh, a very close male relative. Uh, a woman has to wear the burqa. A woman has to wear the hijab at the very least. Uh, she's not allowed to work in the same way that uh, men are allowed to work. If they do work, that has to be a much more subordinate position. Uh, they, obviously, they can't show any skin. Um, if God forbid they, they get raped, well then she has to be killed because it's a violation of the honor of the, 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 the family that she, was, she belonged to. Um, and then, of course, you, you know about female um, circumcision. Mutilation. The mutilation, where uh, the whole purpose of that is to make sure that she doesn't have an orgasm when it comes to, uh, to sex uh, so that the man can just kind of do his business and not have to please the woman. It's all about pleasing it's, himself. It's to make sure she doesn't stray by enjoying sex. That's well, really, well, that too. It's that too. But but it's it's just the idea is just to the, the men has no man has no obligation. It's a it's a you know there's, there's no interest of the woman in in essence to to seek out another male partner uh, because that would just be totally um, anathema to the notion of of Islam. So uh, this is all about of course radical Islam what we're talking about. The last thing I want to talk about for today is about the refugees, um, the Syrian crisis that we're dealing with. Now, 
It turns out that, uh, and I need to get some sources for this, and I'll get this, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what the sources are when we get back from the break, but that 71 or so percent of the people that are crossing the border into Hungary and then to Germany and otherwise are men, young men. And that tells you something, doesn't it? Well fed, in good shape, yeah. young men. That's right. With suntans. So let's talk about what that tells you. That tells you that ISIS is involved in this, that there is an effort to bring these men who are not being vetted, by the way. There's no passport control or anything else, uh, at least not at this time. They're going in, and they're seeing an opportunity. They're going to be fighters out there. These are not little kids or, you know, grandmas and such. It's hardly like that at all. So let's, let's be aware. Let's be very concerned. We already thought, if you thought Europe was already gone, like Mark Stein exhibited in his wonderful book, America Alone. Uh, he never expected this when he wrote that book. And now this is just going to accelerate the problem. I'm sure that Mark Stein has talked about this quite a bit, but where, where do they think this is going to lead? They already have a massive problem of uh, this, this multiculturalism concept where uh, this new culture is coming in and dictating terms, and now you're... You're allowing them without any sort of discretion into the country, and they think that it's going to get better? What, what were you thinking? I just, I just don't get it. We talked about this before, and I talked about it on my Sunday show. But I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, and let's use the S word to describe these people. Yes. I think the S word is very important that we use it clearly. I, I'll pretend I know what the S word is. Soldiers. These yes. are soldiers. That's what I was thinking it was. Yeah. Yeah. These are, of course, they're soldiers. They're, they're, they're recruits for the cause, and they, they believe that what could be better than to not only enforce radical Islam in the Middle East, but also to pursue it outside of the Middle East. All right. Um, when we get back, we will talk more about this, and uh, Hillary Clinton in particular. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say what they need? Come clean, listen and talk. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what'd you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about and made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. And returning back, um, thank you for tuning back in. So we promised that we would get some information uh, about uh, the percentage of the, uh, the the Syrian refugees who are male, right? Because it would be odd, wouldn't it, if it turned out that all these Syrian refugees, that the vast majority of them are male, and in addition, what would happen if uh, you know the, the, the other composition would be odd? Uh, for example, maybe only a few of them um, are children, and only a few of them are, are women. And right? a few are elderly or in bad health, bad shape, or have injuries or amputations. Right. As it turns out, that 72% are male. Now, that may include elderly, by the way, elderly male, but it does not include young males, like meaning like children. So the statistic is 72%, and I just got this from uh, therightscoop.com and with reference to the United Nations. And this is a report from the United Nations saying clearly that the 72% of Syrian refugees are men, and only 13% are children. So that leaves uh, only 15% left for women. 
uh, meaning adult woman. This is, this is a very interesting uh, statistic, isn't it? Because if you do not understand that this has meaning, then you're truly not clear with what's really going on. What, folks, if it's not 50-50 in terms of men and women, and it does not accurately reflect the children slash adult population, but more importantly, if it does not accurately reflect the 50-50 ratio among men and women, it can only mean one thing, that these men are soldiers, that a vast majority of them, or a very substantial portion of them, let's put it that way, are out there looking to do some harm. They also, uh, in the same report, say that these are, um, uh, that these people are coming not necessarily just from Syria, they're coming from many other countries as well, including Afghanistan. Okay, so if that's the case, then truly there's no vetting process going on. This is just an opportunity for a lot of people who just simply want to improve their lives. And that's okay. I, I, don't, I don't blame them, by the way. I mean, I don't blame uh, many Mexican immigrants coming into America because they want a better life, too. Uh, frankly, if I, if I were one of them, I, I think I would try to do whatever I could to get a, across the border. But that's not the point. The point is that we are taking on, or Europe is taking on, all these Syrian refugees under the theory that we're saving them from a war-torn country, when in fact, they're, most of them, if, if not a, a very big portion of them, are, are not Syrian refugees one way or the other. They're either fighters for ISIS or otherwise, or, or are from other countries seeking better opportunities. Either way, it's a disaster, right? So anyway, there's the, there's the proof. The United Nations itself has, is releasing this report. Look, and now the latest on this, by the way, and, I, and Ari, you want to break up a point about uh, the Christian Syrians as well, and I, I want to address that after this. What's, what's fascinating to me is that the Hungarian government is now, and the German government for suddenly, suddenly has realized in less than a week, hey, that's a whole lot of refugees, and hey, there's, they're wreaking a whole lot of havoc upon this. It's as if, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's so childish. It's like you say to yourself, hey, I want to... I want to. I remember when I was a little kid. I, I, I imagined as a fantasy to think of uh, myself caught in a room full of French fries. <laughs> I loved French fries as a kid, right? And I would eat myself out of the room, right? And how cool like that a would Pac-Man. be, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. It was very. That was my little fantasy. Okay, I just loved my mom's French fries in particular. Very, very delicious. Okay, but I, I now know that if I were actually caught in such a room, I would like. I would be just terrified. It would be, I, I, if I would, I don't know how much longer I would have to you eat. Would probably die. <laughs> I would probably die and suffocate and <laughs> otherwise like that. And to say nothing of being burned by all this hot, all this hot French fries, <laughs> right? So, all right. I mean, you're, you're with me on this, right? I mean, a, yes. lot, a lot of people also they have fantasies, you know, sexually as well. They they imagine all these women and they're. You know, and, and if they ever actually did do it, it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't, the, the mechanics of it all and everything would be very awkward. So, but, but this is the same sort of thing that they're thinking, that they had in their mind, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? I can just imagine Angela Merkel now watching the TV, seeing that picture of the you know, innocent uh, three-year-old boy drowned on the beach there. Really tragic, of course. Never mind what the father was actually doing and such. We're talking about that just that three-year-old boy. He didn't know anything about it, et cetera. But I have no doubt that she saw that and she said, let's let in 800,000, please. I don't know why 800,000 and not 700 or 900, but that's another story. But she just decided that on behalf of the German people with no vote whatsoever, just, I'm going to do this for you. I'm, I'm going to affect your life in a big way. And by the way, a lot of these people are criminals and terrorists and rapists and such. But, you know, um, you're going to have to deal with that. Okay? So... And I can just hear it now, like, oh, you know, Barack, is, Barack and Ari are saying that, that all these people are criminals and rapists and terrorists. No, we didn't say that. We said that there are, there are certainly going to be terrorists, criminals, and rapists in, in that group. And it has an impact, right? So anyway, th th they're now discovering that they're in the room full of French fries, as it were, right? And they're saying, man, this, this is not good. Take away this fantasy. I don't, I don't like it so much, right? 
<clears throat> or, or it's like, I mean, I can give you too many examples. It's like when my little, my little daughter, she thought ice skating was easy, right? <laughs> she goes, oh, I, she saw it on the TV, and you just start uh, dancing around, and, and <laughs> she goes on the ice, and it's very, very hard, and it's, it involves a lot of mechanics involved. Same thing with swimming, same thing with tennis, same thing with skiing. You, you name it, it's hard, right? You, you can't, or being a lawyer for that matter. You can't just go up and just start saying the word objection and stuff like that. And you think that somehow that's, that's how it's done. Oh my gosh, it's, it, there's a lot of training behind all this. But this is the way Angela Merkel thought. And, and she's, so, so two things happened out of this. First of all, the disaster of the onslaught of these people, not necessarily refugees, by the way, migrants, okay? Most of them are migrants, as it turns out, despite the, the liberal mantra on Facebook all over the place that these people are refugees, not migrants, and they're so insulted on behalf of these migrants that they'd be called migrants. <sighs> um, so, so now they're, they're flooding into Europe, right? And they suddenly realize, wow, this really is not such a great idea after all. It's, it's not as if they all started going to these, these homes and saying, how can we help and how can we be good German citizens and how can we be good Hungarian citizens and what can we do for you today? It didn't work out that way. Instead, what they found is that a lot of people refusing to receive food and throwing fecal matter at, uh, at the people that, that were trying to help them, they found these people suddenly making demands upon them. This is on the span of days, folks. This is not even a week yet. You understand, okay? This they is, haven't even gotten to the point where they're settled enough for free housing and their welfare checks. Oh yeah, it's which it's, is coming. It's only getting going to get worse, okay? You understand? And now suddenly they're saying, okay, maybe we should have some border control. To which I reply, you think, right? <laughs> Hashtag, you think? Question mark. So you you get the idea. So that's one thing that they didn't figure out. The second thing that Angela Merkel didn't figure out. And she just assumed it would happen, is that all these other countries would also open up their borders. And now she's just really pissed off. You know, all these other countries are not uh, fielding, you know, their respective share of, uh, of refugees. Thank you very much. Right. Well, I can't handle these all. Well, that, you should have thought of that before you opened the doors to all these refugees. I mean, that's like, I don't know, it's like you telling me that, uh, that you're going to give a bunch of uh, charity uh, to to this or that organization that I don't even believe in, and you say to, to me later on, well, I thought you were going to contribute, Brock. Well, I didn't say I was going to contribute. I don't want to contribute to your, you know, your uh, transgender <laughs> group that you're so excited about. I'm sorry, Arya, that I leaked that. By the way, that that you are, you're interested in, in supporting uh, LGBT as I much am. as possible. I yeah. do. Yeah, you want to raise that uh, the, the ratio of actual. Uh, transgendered people from 135,000 to 134,000. You want to you want you want to encourage that. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a good thing. And you'll spend a lot of money to that. Anyway, the point is that it's it's really like that. Like you you thought that I was gonna gonna contribute with you. Yeah. And I, I just, did all this work. I, I just I baked a pie. Yeah. I don't feel like it. Yeah. But you know, it's, uh, and, another... that's, and that's what France and and Holland and others yeah. are saying. No, not really. Yeah, but an interesting <laughs> point, if you think about it, is you remember uh, Hitler's dream, uh, be Kaiser and conquer Europe. I'm not making comparison to that, but, you know, the whole empire thing. Part of what's made the EU, the European Union, what it is, is this sort of pan-nationalism, this, this almost modern-day imperial mindset that the, the leader of Germany almost has, like, what, what's wrong? I'm the Kaiser of the European Union. Right. I said I'm doing this. You're not doing this, too? I thought we're a union. Yes, exactly right. It, it's a weird kind of collectivist mindset in which she is astounded that she's making sacrifices on behalf of her citizens of her country that other citizens in other countries are, for some reason, aren't willing to make. Yes, that's very strange. And she's astounded. Yeah, she's, she's truly astounded. That's the... That's the that, that, it's such a. We, we said before that this is so emblematic of liberal thinking, right? Yes. Uh, first of all, that we get to dictate terms, and you're going to have to follow. And in fact, you you must like what I do also because I'm I'm the head, and you elected me. Well, so therefore you must agree to do whatever I I want you to do. It's a little bit like when Woody Allen and um, Harry Belafonte both uh, proclaim that we should allow Obama to be dictator for life. Well. I mean, they literally said these things, and they actually believed it. And, and Woody Allen, you know, who's normally a funny guy, he actually meant this. And, and he was annoyed that people just didn't do what 
what, what Obama wanted to do, because by golly, we need to do all these important things, forgetting the whole premise of democracy, which is that we need to kind of combat each other, and, and we want it to be sticky and everything else. We want it to slow down all these ideas. But this is the way that Angela Merkel thinks, and a lot of the, the, the liberals, and for that matter, most of Europe thinks, that they just kind of get on board and, you know, the government knows what to do and, and everything else. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it's so emblematic. Now, uh, the uh, final point I want to say about this, and then I really do want to talk about Hillary Clinton. Oh, yes, that's going to be There's good. a lot to talk about. Well, we have to address the Chaldeans. Oh, yes. Yeah, but, 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 okay, so, so let me talk about first about this, and then I do want to address the Chaldeans. It's a fascinating aspect of this. You can look at it as a influx of refugees or migrants or whatever you want to call it, and you can look at it in terms of numbers flooding into Europe, right? You could also look at it in a slightly different way. You can see it as a flood of passion going into Europe, right? And what, what happens when that happens? It's like a, it's a tidal wave of passion. These people have passion. They believe in something called radical Islam. Not all of them, of course, but a very substantial only, portion. Only a small amount, like 80%. Yeah, that's very, right. Less than 100%. Yeah, way, very, a good 20% less yes, than 100 yes. No, a good 18% less than 100 I, th- I think you're exaggerating here. It's, it's, it's really no more than 75%. Tops. Okay, okay I'm sorry. Yeah, I just have to reel you in. That's why I have to. Right. <laughs> so, but a, a very substantial portion, maybe 75%, maybe it's less, but it's a huge percentage of these people have passion. Passion to. Uh, to in, in, impose Sharia law, passion to treat their women the way they do, and passion to, to tell you how to live your life and to tell you that you are an infidel and that you must change your ways and you must conform to their ideology. Whatever that, whether that means that you shouldn't even say the word pork, let alone have a picture of a pork, and let alone sell sell pork it's called itself. A pig, bro. That's right, a pig. A pig, yeah. He's kosher, so yeah, there you example, go. you've never seen one before. Yeah, there you go. But, but that they can make these demands, that's passion. And the Europeans have zero passion. I mean, you ask any European today, what, what are you willing to die for? And, and they'll say their family, which is everyone should be able to say that, right? But beyond that, they won't say. If you ask a, a Dutch person, are you ready to die for Holland? And he'll say, hell no. <laughs> I mean, he'll come to America before that. He, he's, he, that's, it's just not interesting to him. Will you be willing to die for the rainforest or the coral well, reef? Maybe. I, you know, but we'll, go, we'll get to that. But I'm talking about nationality-wise. Oh, they, they have no none. interest in preserving their culture. They have no interest in... Uh, and Germans are, have no interest in preserving their culture and so on. And, and I know I've talked about this before, but it's so important to understand this. You, 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 you cannot possibly, possibly prevail against an onslaught of passion like this. There is, that's why it's very easy for you and I to predict, and I think very correctly, that Notre Dame will become a mosque in 15 years. Why, why, less than 15 years. Why do we say that so comfortably, right? Because we know the math. It's passion versus non-passion. I'll make it even simpler for you. Who's going to fight for Notre Dame? No one. No one. Right, some some art collectors, uh, some some art historians, some you know you know the three professors in this or that university. Yeah, even the Pope won't. That's right. The it's Pope the, won't. One of the great Catholic institutions outside Vatican City. Right. The Pope won't. Yeah, don't, well, that's right. But but you you get the idea. It's it's not that we're just not going to have the passion. That's why, you know. Look, I'll tell you this. Okay, it's fair to say that anyone squatting on my land is doing something illegal, right? But I'll tell you something. If I leave my, my property and I stay in whatever, go to Europe myself or just leave for a lot of vacation and then I just keep on staying there and I don't lock the doors and I even have a little sign saying, come on in, make yourself at home, <laughs> right? Why, why do I think that the home was going to look just the same way when I come back as when I left it? Why would I ever think that? And in fact, they'll say, you're out of here. You know, who are you? Oh, this is my home. Well, but I don't care. I'm, I'm here now. And then I, then I say, well, but here's my deed to my house, and, and here's, here's where it's, I don't care. Um, well, I'm going to get the police to enforce it. Well, they don't seem too interested in enforcing it. Guess what? 
that house ain't yours anymore. The only way that house is going to remain yours is if, in, in this situation, you've got the police to enforce it and or you've got some guns that you're constantly protecting the house with. Or you didn't lose your passion to maintain or be responsible for your property and didn't leave allowing a vacuum to occur. That's right. It's that, a, that's the it's a issue. It's a pure vacuum, and that's why it's so easy for us to see this ahead of time, right? It, people will look back on this podcast and say, my God, how did they figure this out? It's so brilliant. And we'll say, no, it wasn't brilliant. It was so obvious. Yes, that's exactly it. Because chess thinking, a little bit of Sun Tzu, and a little bit of recognizing a weak, passionate force will defeat a gigantic, powerful, unpassionate force. Right. Nine every day. times out of ten, uh, if not every day. Every day. There's well, we said before. There, there's never been a war that has been won without passion. Yeah. Okay. It it, it just doesn't work that way. The, a, a secularist, by definition, is not passionate. And uh, putting aside the the rightness or wrongness of it, it's you just look at it simply from a standpoint of passion. Yeah. I'd a, I'd actually add one more very important point to this, which is this: a lack of passion is what starts war. In fact, if you look at World War One, World War Two, and now, right. the side that lost its passion to defend its society at all provoked an onslaught from the other well, side. Well, encouraged it, it encouraged it. It invited it, it, it just it, like it, you just, have, in your example, invited the squatters by neglecting your property. That's so true. That's exactly the way it is, and uh, so it's a terrifying world. And 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 so here comes this onslaught of passion. And I bet you, I bet you they'll be so surprised that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, when there's going to be so much more rape, there's going to be so much more terrorism, there's going to be so much demand for Sharia law and other demands for, for, of changes in the culture and such, they'll be so very surprised. They, they literally thought that nothing would change, that this was just a question of taking on these nice people because we have enough land and it won't, uh, it won't change anything. But everything changes. You know, it's, it's, there's no such thing as things. If you've ever been to a, a party, um, imagine a, a, some of your, like three of your closest friends, Ari, okay? You're, you decide to get together at uh, Cabo Cantina, a little restaurant across the street. You're going to talk stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, there's, uh, there's this jerk from your school. It doesn't matter. I mean, somebody that is just a, you know, but he's, he's a jerk. He's not an enemy. You know him. But he's just one of those guys, right? He's loud and boisterous and such. And he sees you from the street and he says, hey, mind if I join you? And, you know, you can't say no because, you know, you're being polite. And he sits down with you. What happens to that dinner? It gets wrecked. Right. It completely changes the dynamic of the dinner. Even one person changes it. And here we have 800,000, it's soon to be a million, and soon to be a million per year. And they think that the dynamic of, of what it is to be European, what it is to be German, what it is just to have a regular family life, is, is going to stay the same? I mean, I, I, it's, it's breathtaking. Right, they, and, they, and they made even worse because this isn't the first step. This has been going on for, you know, 15, 20 years. There have been all these warnings of the last decade. Yeah. And, uh, and now suddenly they're asking the question, or now they're rolling out the red carpet to even more people who, who share the problematic demographics traits? It's, it is truly breathtaking. And it doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative on this issue. You should understand that that is just nuts, right? Just I mean, as a liberal, you should be looking at this and saying, Things are going to change in Germany, and not for the better. No, there's no way it could be for the yeah. better. All right, so, oh, so one more, one more thing. This is the kind of mentality that led Truman and his cohorts to say, "I don't know how we lost China." Yeah, uh, right. You're, Same, you're, you're so right. Now let's move on to the Syrian, um, the Christians. Yeah. So there's a news item today. There were these uh, these Christians who escaped the uh, ISIS territories. Uh, who snuck into America. Now, you know that for the last couple of years, it's been a, a welcome wagon for anyone who doesn't have papers to come in and commit murder and do whatever. And even if you're a murderer, it's hard to get deported. Yeah. Somehow, That's the right. Obama Justice Department deported these people and actually detained them for six months in a, in a very uncomfortable accommodations at the San Ysidro border crossing near San Diego for the last six months where they were caught trying to sneak in to America through the... Uh, uh, Mexican border. Now, granted, 
detaining them for illegally crossing the border may be an admirable thing. But these are the very demographic of refugee people you'd actually want to give asylum to. Right. Well, and you, what you're talking about is that it's selective enforcement. Right. And not only is it selective enforcement, in the case of a lot of people who are undocumented, illegal, crossing the border without any authorization, they either try to deport them and don't, or they just release them and do nothing. These people were systematically targeted for actual deportation, proving you can deport someone. Right. Look, it makes... Um, it's, it's truly no surprise to me. What is the... There's, a, there's a, almost a... I don't know what number... Um, uh, fold increase there has been, like whether it's sixfold or tenfold increase in the Muslim population in America, but that and most of it has been not from natural, you know, birthing of, of Muslims, but from acceptance of immigrants from Muslim countries. The 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 past six or seven years has shown an incredible increase in the Muslim population here in, in America, and it's clearly, a, a, t to my mind, a preference by the administration for such. Uh, a people coming from mostly Muslim countries, and when it comes to Christians like the um, uh, like the Yazidis, remember them? Why, why aren't they invited to America? Right? I mean, they were being slaughtered. Uh, you know, it, the the Syrian refugees. You know, as bad as it is over there, you know, they're just dealing with a dangerous situation. But the the Yazidis were specifically targeted for slaughter. Why didn't we open the doors to them? And there's not that many of them. How why many? There was only airlifted. Yeah, why, why, there were only a few thousand of them. We could have taken them, and and we could feel really great about ourselves. But not only did Obama ignore them at first, only when he was forced to to deal with it did he offer a little bit of food here and there. Have you heard about them again? No. There's a reason for that, my friends. There is a there's a clear agenda, uh, clear favoritism at the very least, toward Islamic immigrants versus Christian immigrants. And that we should all be concerned about. Okay, and, and there's no way you can tell me that there's somehow there's this, this invitation to Christians throughout the world because it ain't happening. Why do you pick the word concern? Because uh, my, uh, you know, I'm concerned that the elevator will take a little long time when I'm waiting for it. I'm terrified of this. Yeah, the This is a lot worse than concern. Of course, of course. Yeah. Let's move on to Hillary Clinton, uh, because no matter, whenever you're, whenever you're bored of the news, just think Hillary Clinton, because she's a treasure trove of information. Not that we don't have a lot else to talk about, but Hillary Clinton, again, proves so much fodder for us. Okay. Uh, of late now, we now know there, there are more and more investigations into her. Um, the only thing that's kind of saving her a little bit at this point is the presidential debates that we're having and, of course, the Syrian refugee crisis itself. Um, and now she's dealing with efforts to try to show how pro-woman she is, and she perceives her main target to be Trump. She's fighting on that. Uh, it is unbelievable how uh, non-persuasive she is and how stiff she is when it comes to uh, giving her speeches. Have you seen these speeches, Ari? They're, they're incredible. They, there's nothing natural to them at all. As you said, uh, it, it shows such, um, so, such, so much work from handlers telling her how to do it and when, when to lift her up her arms and when, when to look at the, uh, the, the camera and when to look at the audience. And I mean, it's, it's so stiff. It's, it's uncanny. Even on issues that you would think would be easier easy for her to discuss. But I'm, I'm telling you, I just, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Hillary Clinton as the nominee unless, I, I don't know, some meteor hits all the, all the remaining Democratic nominees, including Biden, and, uh, and then she's literally the only game in town. I suppose that might work. But I just don't see it. And I, I don't think you see it either. Uh, well, her, the core skill of a politician is public speaking. The politician may be terrible at policy, might be corrupt, bordering or getting way into criminal activity. Right, but, but, wait, but enough about Bill Clinton. Right. We're talking about Hillary might Clinton. Might be completely unethical. Oh, yeah, I'm still having They might uh, have a foot-tapping incident at a bathroom, okay, or something. Yeah. They might um, get caught in a compromising position with either a dead girl or a live boy. Or an, iPhone, or an iPhone tweet. Or an iPhone tweet, mm -hmm. yeah, d d Tinder, Twitter, <laughs> Grindr, right. et cetera. But the core that they have to do, no matter how much trouble they get into, is public speaking. Yeah. As long as you're a good public speaker, a lot of that other stuff just water under the bridge. That's right. But 
she has these ethical and uh, legal problems, but she can't speak either. Yeah. You give her a microphone, a podium, and a camera, and she does not know what to do with it. It's uh, it, it's quite incredible. I, I wonder if if she. I mean, right now she's refusing to do debates, right? And and I think her first debate is going to be around Christmas time when everyone else is gone. So that's that's just brilliant, to, uh, you know, planning on her part. But what's going to happen because there's still plenty of time before November of next year, is that her polls will continually continuously go down, and then she'll at some point realize that the only way to go back up is by going by debate. But then she'll realize, wait a minute, I suck at debate. I, I'm just not a good uh, orator whatsoever. Therefore, I don't want to de- debate for that reason as well. And she'll just keep on plummeting in the polls. And this Bernie Sanders guy, I, I predict, will just get more and more attention. He does speak well. He, he, he looks ridiculous. He looks like a little bit like, I don't know, the, the guy, the, the, the scientist from um, Back, back to, to the, the Future, future right? Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> like, <laughs> we've got to go back to the future, Marty. They're heavy. There's that word again. Yeah. Is there something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? You get the idea. Yeah. 1917, <laughs> Marty. The Soviet Revolution. It was great. Uh, Collectivism, Marty. Collectivism. What is it, Doc? What is it, Doc? Uh, Doc. They call Doc, Doc Brown. Doc Brown, right? So anyway. It's, forget how he looks like him, but it's amazing that he's, he can gather all these crowds, and he's doing very well for himself. Maybe because there is no alternative. Yeah, that's it. That's Remember, the only people who support him are, are Democrats who are paying attention to the Democrat race right now, yeah. which is about, out of 100 people in the country, that's like three. So three of 100 over 300 million is a lot of people. All right. But, it, yeah. uh, you know... What, what, okay, now in the meantime, of course, um, you've got the email crisis uh, situation for her at least. Benghazi is coming out, and there's a movie coming out of Benghazi. Do you know about this? No. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think Jerry Bruckheimer is involved or attached to this somehow. Oh, Michael Bay. Is Michael Bay. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael direct. Bay. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And uh, yeah, he's conservative. He's. She's not going to look good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I, I hope that he portrays the reality as the facts have actually come out. That might be like American Sniper for us. Remember when we went and then we sat through it like four times in the theater? Yeah, that was awesome. That was great. (laughs) They had to kick us out after the last showing and we said, can you show it to us again? (laughs) That was so much fun. (laughs) Oh man, that was great. Um, But anyway, by the way, I didn't think they should have had outtakes on that one. Uh, That seems inappropriate at the time. Okay, never mind. I'm kidding around. But this um, this movie that's coming up will reignite the whole Benghazi disaster, and um, and how it only makes you think about how America abandoned its own people, and it calls into question all the incredible emails that now reveal that she knew about Benghazi going down the way it did, and and there's going to be some some hell to pay when it comes to the connection with Obama at some point. She's going to have to at some point say Obama was involved in this. Well, push comes to shove. When we have the Ted Cruz administration and Mark Levin is attorney general, one of them is going to have to turn state's evidence on the other. Yeah. Or both of them are going to be sharing a cell in Attica. I mean, you you just know it. Well, look, I hope that the wheels of justice eventually do what needs to be done with Hillary Clinton and Obama, for that matter. Because I do think, putting aside all the, the questions that we've had before as to whether or not Obama wants to actually hurt this country and such... There's no doubt in my mind that he's made such judgment calls that are so horrendous for the country, including the pullout that, uh, from Iraq that I can never forgive him for. And I, and I knew right away, as soon as there was a pullout, I remember talking to a couple of my liberal friends and noticing how quickly the roadside bombs just increased dramatically. And I said, Obama has blood on his hands. And they said, oh, how can you say that? That's the, you know, there's, there's, there's no more roadside bombs than, than there happened before. Yes, there, first of all, there, there have been more. And secondly... You know, that's just pure luck that there were there were no roads of bombs. I mean, it's, it's so the decision was so irresponsible, so reckless. And so look at the overall theme here, and then I guess we should wrap up. The overall theme is this this inattention to detail, this sense that you don't need to account for yourself. So long, and it proves the point that we've always said: if if you get into the position where you get away with something then you'll think that it's okay to get away with something even greater and then greater again to the point that you're just engaging in these outlandish 
behaviors. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Obama, exactly what we're seeing with Hillary Clinton. And for that matter, the Clinton Foundation and what Bill Clinton has done behind that. It's, it's an unraveling, and it's going to be a point where at some point there's going to be an accounting. And to my, to my mind, the reason why Obama has not yet been targeted in terms of the whole email things and why he's behind this and such, I understand about the Clinton Foundation. I don't expect him to be tied to that. But the emails, I expect something to show up with that, and especially with Benghazi and, and what happened with the IRS emails and so on. And what's happening is Obama's telling Hillary Clinton, don't you dare bring up my name. Don't you dare say that I, I, I took orders from the top. Because if you do, first, of course, I'm not going to endorse you for president. And secondly, I'll, I'll just raise you to the ground. You'll see. So, and, and so we're, we're basically entering into what we call a thugocracy, right? That's all it is. Rule by mafia. And it goes without saying that we have to be diligent and vigilant at the same time. We can never assume that things just work on their own because they don't. And every time something, something smells funny, whether that's an executive order or a president that tells us that the ISIS war is going swimmingly well against them, when we know it's completely the opposite, well... We need to fight, and we need to call them out. That's, that's all we can do right now until 2016. And, and God willing, we'll get somebody that will actually call the administration totally into account in the future. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.